guy! Hey! Chaw! Who's saving it for a good time? What is it? Big Chief! The best! This is Dirt and Sprague. Hey, check this out. Blue Garrick's pants. Not a bad fit. Hey, you don't think that nerve disease of his was contagious, do you? I better take him off. I'm too important to this team. Big Stein can't be flopping and twitching. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague. Let's have a smell, all right? Ooh, wafting, wafting. Oh, everyone likes their own brand, don't they? This is magic. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've got going in this crazy world. The Fan. Hey, let's do this. Final hour. Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader 1080. The Fan. 99.5 HD2, the Odyssey app. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope your Monday mornings are off to a good start. Got a lot to get to in the final hour of the show. Let's start with the NFL playoffs because there's a couple of games we haven't really talked about yet. And, uh, look, I, I think as a whole this weekend, kind of a dud. Kind of a dud weekend. Wow, really? I would, yeah. Three or four games were good. What was the third good game? Buffalo-Cincinnati. Was, Buffalo-Cincinnati was, was horrible. Really? Yeah, I, I was 14 nothing right out of the gate. The Super Bowl favorite getting waxed at home. I mean, the storyline the the story was interesting, but did you have any faith Buffalo was going to come back and win that game? No, I said earlier the first quarter, I felt like it Cincinnati was imposed their will, but I'm you're still sticking. I, I See, I think the drama and the idea of what is a team's future hanging up above them is a fascinating angle to the game. Giants and Eagles is like, yo, I was way wrong. The Eagles are a really good, complete football team. And the Giants had a great season and got further than anybody imagined. There you go. That sums it up. Niners-Cowboys was really good. Jags-Chiefs was, man, that was interesting, especially once Mahomes got hurt. And, yeah, maybe I felt like Cincinnati was going to ultimately always win that game, but I, I hung around to every single snap on well, that game too. because you just <laughs> – you could you can feel in Buffalo when things are not going well, and then there's just, like, the sudden Diggs is yelling at Allen. He's leaving before the coaches even get back to the locker room. Like – there's there's a there's a real thing hanging over Buffalo right now with what is their future and, and are they doing the right things and what's costing them in the playoffs and that kind of stuff. Well, look, I'm with you on the storylines coming out of it, and I also watched every second of the games. I, th- I think that's different, though, than having, like, Wild Card Weekend, to me, you had fun, entertaining, crazy games with big plays that went down to the wire. Like, there, there was a handful of those. Buffalo-Miami was a really good game. You had the Baltimore-Cincinnati game that was thrilling. Jacksonville coming back from down 27 points and winning in a you know, last-second field goal, essentially. Like, those, to me, were really good games. The story Storylines from this weekend were fun, but of of all the games, like if I had to sit and watch one, San Francisco Dallas was easily the best game, and that was there wasn't there was one touchdown in that game until the fourth quarter. It's kind of an old school slugfest. The worst of the bunch though was Philly in New York. I mean that thing was Philly comes out, they scores a touch, they score a touchdown like a fart through the wind in the on their opening drive. Yep. Giants move the ball, they try to go for it on fourth down, you get sacked on third down, you go for it on fourth and ten, you get sacked again, you hand Philly a short field, they score easily eight plays, fifty two yards, then you throw a pick they score again it's 21 nothing i mean that that thing being 28 nothing at the half i i have been wrong about a lot of stuff this year uh that was one philly limped to the finish line at the end of the regular season and they weren't playing great football largely because jalen hurts got hurt and then even when he was back in week 18 he didn't look fully healthy and the giants seem to have had momentum i mean i thought their defense was really solid going on the road to minnesota their offense got going albeit against a really bad vikings defense but it kind of left you with that man they can move the ball a little bit danny dimes vanilla vic he's going to be able to get this thing going and it just wasn't the case that was an absolute bloodbath and i think a reminder to everybody of of and, and myself included that started to doubt philadelphia a little bit of like oh that's right that's a that that's a damn good football team 
Yeah, I mean, Philly, it, it wasn't that I didn't think Philly was good. It was just I, I bought into the day ball thing. I bought into what they do well, and that was get pressure on the quarterback. Their defensive line with Thibodeau and Lawrence was really good. Uh, they went on the road and won a playoff game. I thought the way Dayball used Jones was something they could utilize against Philly's defense. And I couldn't have been more wrong on that. I had a realization on Saturday night once I kind of knew early, especially in the first quarter when it was 14 nothing. You're like, okay, it's probably one of those get-out-of-hand games. I was like, why did I buy the Giants so hard? <laughs> and ultimately, I I fell for the con. I fell for first-year coach gets, you know, unproductive quarterback to be incredibly productive Go look at the turnover difference between Josh Allen this year and Daniel Jones. There's a, you know, a common theme there. Brian Dayball seems to be the the, mis- the missing link for for Allen in that mm-hmm. regard. But also, I was mad that I allowed myself to buy that the Giants beating the most fraudulent team in football <laughs> was a reason to bet them against the best team in football. And and that I just kicked myself over on Saturday night. They ran the ball, forty four times for two hundred and sixty eight yards. Yeah, they didn't need to do much through the air. 168 yards rushing on the ground and an NFL playoff. No game. pressures applied on Jalen Hurts. <laughs> like there all. was just nothing the Giants defense was going to do uh, on Saturday to stop that off. They had a play. It was like their second or third play from scrimmage where they dropped back and they hit a deep shot to AJ Brown. And I think it was AJ Brown. Maybe it was somebody. Maybe it was Devonta Smith. But they they had a. It was just like a long crossing route, and it was the the immediate like red flag as the Giants better of oh like Jalen Hurts had 37 seconds to throw that football and I thought the Giants had a good defensive line Thibodeau came on strong Dexter Dexter Lawrence is supposed to be a stud he was just standing back there and he ran all the way across the field and Hurts didn't have to do a ton uh, because they ran the ball so well and their defense was just outstanding and in terms of like the storylines that come out of it I'm with you on that on what's going to happen for these teams in the offseason. I think for Philly, it's a question of, can you run the ball like that against San Francisco? And we can get into that as the week goes on. But for the Giants now, it's a question of, what do you what do you do with Daniel Jones and what do you do with Saquon Barkley? Because Saquon Barkley's rookie deal is up, I believe. He's, he talked about after the game, you know, it'd be weird if that's my last game in a Giants uniform. He was pivotal for them all season offensively. And Danny Dimes, where I think that was the the reason nobody thought the Giants could make the playoffs this year, was because Daniel Jones was their quarterback, and he had some really good moments, some down moments, but he played great in Minnesota a week ago. Is he a franchise guy? Do you bring Daniel Jones back if you're the Giants? I I, I think you do until you find what direction you want to go. I think you can build off this season. I think you can add some more pieces. I mean, their receivers, you know, Isaiah Hodgins was a fun story. Darius Slayton's fine, and Richie James is kind of a combo return guy uh, slash um, wide receiver. I think you get better at your skill positions. And maybe you run some of this back. You make the tweaks you need to. Daniel Jones has a similar season, if not better. You can be right back in this position next year. I, yeah. I, you're not going to have to pay a premium on him, too, the way you would have to other nope, quarterbacks. he's going to be cheap. It'll give you some flexibility to go get other guys. But I believe they – didn't they turn down his fifth-year rookie option? I think they did. Uh, I believe they did, yeah. So he so was asked in the postgame, and he said, well, it's business. And, you know, he was – he kind of walked it back, but he basically said, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Business is business, and – there's no promises. And then he was asked the next day on their, you know, their locker clean out day. The media gets to talk to him and he said he's loved being a giant and he likes what they did this year and he'd love to try to do it again if they can. So we'll see. I think they're kind of a sneaky good team to maybe 
acquire a Lamar Jackson, though, personally in a trade. Yeah, I, you would try and probably swing big, I would imagine, first before you resettle back with Daniel Jones. Like, I'd kick the tires on Derek Carr. What happens there? I think Carr is undoubtedly better than Daniel Jones. I mean, hell, give it a shot. I'll call Tom Brady. He's see undoubtedly what he's better. I do. I think so. I, I would go there. I, Daniel Jones had a, an okay season this year, and he's a better athlete. There's there's something there. Yeah. I just don't know if you can consistently rely on him throwing the football. Um, and he, he, I think he's one of those guys that needs a lot of help. Not that Derek Carr is a world beater and a top five guy in the NFL, mm-hmm. but I would take Carr over him. The benefit of keeping Daniel Jones is you get him on a cheap deal. The, the fun part about the AFC and NFC title games this weekend is I feel like the games are so drastically different where you have on the AFC side two elite quarterbacks, probably right now the two best quarterbacks in the NFL, being the leaders of their team, and you would argue probably not either of them not there without their quarterbacks. Whereas in Philly and San Francisco, you have two juggernaut rosters that are, you know, you get good quarterback play from time to time. But I don't know if either fan base, and maybe this is mistaking on, on Philly's part because they, they maybe they're totally sold on Jalen Hurts, but I do think there's still questions of like, all right, what's the long, is this the long-term answer? Is he your franchise guy? Do you give him $40 million a year? Like, I, maybe Eagles fans are there. I, I know personally for me on Hurts, I'm not quite there yet, but it is funny how drastically different the games are this week where you have just total complete rosters built up in San Francisco and Philly that I think anybody would argue probably the two best rosters in the NFL outside of quarterback. When you combine everything else on the field, it's hard to think of two teams better than San Fran and Philly. And in the AFC, it's the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, I think the hard thing, too, for teams is when you're the Giants, you're the 49ers, you have a coach and you have a coaching staff that has an ability to get the the best possible scenarios out of you. The problem is, does it boil down to one position? Most would say yes. Now, if it's Burrow, if it's Mahomes, we don't know. And if if it's Philly or San Francisco, we'll see. But whoever comes out of the NFC, I think everybody's going to kind of lean the AFC because of that because position. Because of the quarterback play, yeah. And it, and it might, it's probably going to what makes the difference, right? But also at the same time, Hertz is a late-round pick. Purdy's the last pick in the draft, and they're the two, two guys standing because their rosters are well-coached and put together. And, you know, what does it ultimately boil down to? I would think consensus would say you need that quarterback position to be figured out. But a lot of these teams are showing you that they can get by without it, mm-hmm. and guys can be okay, and they can still win at a high level. Also, you don't want to overcommit the way Dallas did to Dak. Right. That's clearly been a mistake. Um, I think he showed himself to not be the dude, but Dallas is going to pay him $40 million a year, and they're going to keep bringing that back and hope it changes. And maybe he won't throw as many interceptions. He did the, I vow not to do this again next year. <laughs> next year. But I think he vowed to do it like three different times. Like, I won't be doing that again. And then he kept throwing interceptions. So <laughs> it, it's tough when teams get themselves in this position when they overachieve, have great years. They're stuck in this in-between of what do we do at quarterback? This guy was fine. He was good. But we know there's better available. Yeah, I thought the Giants would cover on Saturday night. Boy, oh boy, did that not happen. 28 nothing right out of the gate. Well, how much, I guess I'll ask you this, how much did Philly earn, uh, well, not that you didn't respect him, but like just how much of that result in that game did you go, oh, crap. Philly, there's Philly, a lot of oh Philly could win this. A lot of oh crap. And this is coming from somebody who has multiple futures tickets on the Niners winning the NFC. <laughs> I, I bought one before Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, and then after I saw Brock Purdy play a game, I bought, bought, bought a Niners NFC championship ticket. So financially, I am tied to the 49ers this weekend. Right. But Saturday night was undoubtedly like, a, oh, yes, yeah. they look good. And it's back in Philly again. In Philly. What a great – like, that was the cool part of them winning, at least for me. Like, no matter who won the Niner-Cowboy game, and I ended up gambling on the Niners, to cover the spread. It was one of the few bets I won this weekend. Uh, no matter who won that game, though, that was going to be a fun storyline. 
San Francisco going on the road to Philly is a great game. If it was Dallas and Philly, are you kidding me? That would have been awesome, an NFC East battle. But Philly, man, they put everybody on notice. They look dominant this weekend. They ran the ball for 268 yards as a team. They averaged over six yards a carry. Gainwell had a huge game. Sanders had a huge game. Hurts used his legs. I mean, it was just dominant from start to finish. Defensively, they were great. But bye, Giants. We'll see you next year. Philly is on to the NFC title game. Let's get to the other AFC game we haven't talked about yet. And the lingering concern for Kansas City, can they beat? Cincinnati with a high ankle sprain on Patrick Mahomes' leg. Get to that and uh, what we made of the Jaguars and Chiefs, the first game of the division around of the playoffs next on the fam. Well, when you're on the road in the playoffs, turnovers will do you in. That ended up being the story for Jacksonville. They tried to de- tried to mount a comeback there in the second half. They cut it to three, 20 to 17 early in the fourth quarter. You thought, all right, here we go. We got ourselves a ball game. Kansas City was in control throughout despite the Mahomes injury. And then after the Chiefs pushed the lead immediately back to 10 points, you had back-to-back drives where I think in the span of three plays they had turnovers or four plays, whatever it was, because they got all the way down first and goal at the nine, Agnew fumbles. You think, oh, that's a back-breaking play. But the Chiefs go three and out. They get it right back. And, okay, maybe there's a shot here. And then on the second play of the drive, so yeah, it would have been two turnovers in three plays. Second play yeah. of the drive, Trevor Lawrence throws the pick. They end up getting the field goal in the end to put a little uh, window dressing on it and lose me money because I was a Chiefs gambler this weekend. But just not quite enough offensively for Jacksonville. And and the Mahomes high ankle sprain is now going to be the story of the NFL. Because he, he I, I was reading on, uh, uh, Barnwell had a piece on this, and just what how, how their offense changed after he got hurt. They abandoned their play-action run. They they just ran it on 5 point, you know, 5% of their dropbacks, which is the lowest rate for any game in his career. Uh, it's a really low rate for him. His yard per ta- uh, target, yard per throw, traveled just 6.4 yards in the final three quarters. It's well over a yard below his season average. And it was a good matchup against Kansas City, or excuse me, against Jacksonville, because they can't cover tight end. And you had Kelsey with a huge game, 14 catches, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So they were able to come up with enough offensively and then that one big drive in the second half to push the lead back to 10. But he undoubtedly was not the same player. I mean, he couldn't move. And that was early in the game, really, the storyline. On that opening drive for Kansas City, it was him extending. He had one where he was completely in the air, like a jump pass that he threw to one of their tight ends. Like, that was the difference early in the game. And when he got hurt, you're like, oh, crap. What's Kansas City going to do? Henny then leads him on a touchdown drive, and Mahomes gave you just enough. That's a pretty gutsy performance. Now we got to wait and see how it lingers throughout the course of the week. So it's it's funny because Henny comes in, and the pressure's getting to Mahomes, and then they get the injury. By the way, every time I watch those injuries, Pollard had this exact injury, except his leg broke. I don't know how Mahomes' leg didn't break. No clue. How is this only an ankle sprain? No clue. Uh, it That in itself is the difference between them and me. One of many. And it always surprises me when their leg doesn't snap in half there. The other part of it is their offensive line was allowing pressure. They were getting to Mahomes, making a move. Yes, they were. Throwing him off a little bit. And then he goes out. They get pinned at the one. In comes, you know, statue Chad Henney. Longest drive in Kansas City Chiefs playoff history. 99 12 yards, Chad plays, Henney. 99 yards. And look, I, I know it was one drive. I know there were plays made, fumble, interception. That was the drive that won the game. When you look back on that game... Chad Henney filling in for for Patrick Mahomes, who went and got evaluated, got taped, probably took a Toradol shot. That drive won them the game. And it's like the Kansas City-Cleveland uh, game. He came in. He did. Mahomes got hurt, and he picked up the fourth down. Henney's just like he's just there when they need him, and he there's nothing more, nothing less expected of him. To be able to have a 99-yard drive 
Uh, it's a bit of an indictment on Jacksonville's defense to not be able to get off the field in that spot. They weren't great this year. And take advantage of it. And, and also, I just think the game is different if Agnew doesn't fumble. Because it felt like they were going to punch it in there. It was 27-17 with about five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And you would have cut it to three. You had Kansas City on the three and out. Like, Mahomes was not very mobile. He couldn't move much. And it's like, what if you get this stop, you're down three. Yeah. I think you're looking at a different ball game. So, I I will see, man. It's going to be the most talked about thing from the Kansas City side. It's not going to be about pressure or, you know, running back, position, offensive. It's just going to be all Patrick Mahomes and the high ankle sprain. I, I, I kind of tend to lean Cincinnati today. We'll see how we feel about this come Friday when we spread the line. But I just if he's 60%, I'd imagine he's just going to be doing a lot of quick throws. Cincinnati's got to <laughs> yeah. be prepared for that. Yeah. And on third and long, second and longs, I'd imagine Cincinnati, given what we saw against Buffalo, going to bring some pressure and try to get to him. The other thing, too, I think if you're a Chiefs fan, maybe slightly encouraged, is you got the run game going at least when it was pretty obvious they were going to have to try and run the football. Pacheco yeah. had a really good game. Oh, he had a great game. Uh, McKinnon was was solid. Not not a lot of long runs, but he was you know he was okay for you. You, had a, uh, you know, Tony had a carry for 15 yards, so you got the run game going. That offensive line got better when he got hurt. It was it something did. weird about that. They And then he came back. They were still good. Like, they... It's like he almost realized we have to be perfect now because he can't move. Yeah. There's got to be a certain aspect of right. he can be Houdini back there. So if I get beat, don't worry. Mahomes is going to spin out of it and throw it to Kelsey for a 40-yard gain. And they knew that they had to be perfect from then on out. And for Jacksonville, I'm with you. Like that that game, maybe I short, you know, sell the weekend a little short in the last segment. This one, it, without two turnovers late for Jacksonville, would have been far more compelling because they had a chance there to make it really interesting. Uh, and that fumble on the you know inside the ten yard line was just an absolute backbreaker for them, and then to throw the pick on the next drive too on top of it. For Lawrence though, and for Jacksonville, I think you're thrilled about the season that you had. I mean, you had a you you surprised a lot of folks by making the playoffs. You ended up winning the division. You had the third largest comeback in playoff history in your wild card win mm-hmm. over the Chargers. And then look, you got a benefit of an injury. I think if Mahomes is healthy, they probably lose that game by two touchdowns because I just don't think I don't think Jacksonville had the defense to slow them down. Their pass defense really struggled all year this year. But you, hey, you got hurt. That's football. You got a break, and you ended up making it a competitive and close game. And they got to feel great. It's just another reminder of how deep the AFC is and how much of a gauntlet it's going to be. Like we talked about this earlier with Buffalo. Like it's not always a guarantee that you're just going to be there every year because you got Burrow, you got Mahomes, and now you got a guy like Trevor Lawrence who, oh, that's right, number one overall pick and one of the best quarterbacks coming out of college we've seen since Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning and oh Herbert and all the talent they have in the Chargers and oh don't forget Lamar Jackson, a guy who's won an MVP if he's back in Baltimore. Like it is an absolute gauntlet, and I think Jacksonville has firmly put themselves into that mix. Now it's about where can they go this off season to get better defensively, uh, maybe give them a little more help here or there. But Jacksonville, I think they were playing they were playing with house money this weekend and they got to feel great about the year they had since 2011 the afc championship game has only been in new england denver and kansas city <laughs> five in a row now from Mahomes. that is insane five in a row it's a remarkable run the niners and the chiefs right now have a real amazing run going on in their respective conferences that they do the niners going to their third nfc title game in four years yep. and Mahomes and kansas city now going to five in a row oh, they're two and two in their previous four i you know I, any other player I would I would just kind of think okay high ankle sprain they're the worst ankle sprain to get because they take the longest oh god sounds brutal that injury's not going to get I just can't imagine that's going to feel much better it might even feel worse come uh sat or Sunday when they play I don't know but he's Mahomes and he's a psycho you don't want to overlook it but Burrow and company coming to town Jacksonville and the Giants are the same to me 
Yeah, the good years uh, overachieved. Yeah, there's no fan of those teams that's like, oh, man, I can't believe we lost. Guys, you, you way overachieved yeah. your expectations. They won their division and came back and did that. I thought they took a great step with Doug Peterson. I know Lawrence threw the pick. I thought he was really good in that game. Tough runs, good throws, kind of hung around, showed kind of that competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think you just learned from this. So I know there are two, two teams that, you know, largely were down double digits. One got blown out and the other one kind of backdoor covered. But I thought both their fan bases should be pretty happy with the result given what they might have thought about those teams coming into year one. I think the only sad fan bases this week or on a Monday should be Dallas fans and Buffalo fans. It's even those Dallas fan is like, yo, your owner can't get out of the way, hasn't done anything well, for you in 30 years. Like, you're I think used for, to that. I think for a lot of them, the way that they beat Brady in Tampa, and it probably shouldn't have, but I think the way that they beat Tampa took them to a different place mentally. Well, the way they played defensively, too, during that game, they probably thought, damn, we they were great. I mean, that we're was shutting the rundown. And they Birdie smoked Tom Brady in a playoff game. How many times does that happen in his uh, career? That's not, the worst playoff often. loss he's ever had. Not often. Right? And I know Brady's old and Tampa wasn't very good, so maybe some overreacted to that game. But I think that's why it's a little – like, this isn't just losing in a wild card round where you hadn't no. won a game yet. You want a game to give you – when you win one – it gives you a little bit of hope, a little bit of optimism. But I think it's Buffalo. I still think it's yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo's like Buffalo's fans are waking up today, going, "Oh my God, did our window close? What is our? Uh, yeah, that yeah. You know, are you not? That's I mean, a how scary do you thing. not have that thought today with Burrow and and Mahomes? That's if I'm a Bills fan and we're in Buffalo doing this radio show, you know, probably taking calls because that's what East Coast does. But like, you're legitimately asking that question today. Did our window close yesterday? Yeah. How do you how do you get back on their level? Because Micah it, Hyde had a neck injury, missed the rest of the year. That's never a guarantee he's coming back. Poyer might be done in Buffalo now. Yeah, uh, we don't know about Von Miller's status. He's an older edge rusher. Allen is good, but Allen has moments where that other side of him came out this year a little bit. Dayball left, and he turned the ball over more. He got reckless. You know, he fumbled yesterday, and they just, Nance and Romo, sidebar, my God. Not good. They completely over, he fumbled on one of the runs. They didn't talk about it at all. We wanted to show DeMar Hamlin through snow. We couldn't see him. I saw people going, I can't believe Buffalo lost this at home. They fight all year for this home field advantage, for this, for the snow. And I'm like, do we not know where Cincinnati's located? <laughs> it's also a cold weather city. They've never played in snow before. They're <laughs> a little chilly in Cincinnati, too, and Kansas City, a little cold. And oh, by the way. <laughs> My thought on them putting a dome in Buffalo, it's aging like fine wine today. Yeah, somebody tweeted they built an indoor track team for an outdoor cold-weather city. That's kind of been my whole point. He is a If you put him and Rodgers in domes in their careers, I think some of these outcomes are different. The, the way that they play offense with home run hit or kind of nothing in between and no solid run game, Hard to win that way in the snow, man. Yeah, and that to me is an indictment a little bit on him and their offense. You just you can't be so boomer bust, and they felt really boomer bust this year. Uh, the other part for Buffalo going forward too is that you know what kicks in next year? His contract. His contract. He yeah. made his his cap hit this year was sixteen point three million dollars. It jumps up to thirty nine point seven next year. It's a lot of money you're losing. Then it goes up to 41. By the time you get to 2025, it's 51.2 million dollars. That's yeah. his cap hit. Now, I mean, you're not. I'm not saying you have buyer's remorse on the Josh Allen contract. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's not the only reason that they lost yesterday. But it just is a reminder. Like Cincinnati's in this window right now. You got Burrow with another year or two on a rookie deal. They're going to give him an extension, but it won't kick in for another two years. Like they're trying to strike while the iron's hot. Whereas Buffalo. 
Allen didn't quite have the start to his career as Burrow and some of these other rookies, right? He kind of limped out of the gate the first two years. It was okay in year two. They got to the playoffs. But it was year three that he really popped, year four, and now going into year five. It, it was a slow build for him, and now you're losing thirty million or $20 million off of your cap next season. Um, also, what's a catch? Does anybody know what a catch is? Yeah, I was just going to ask, what is a catch? Was that a catch to you guys? I thought Not that was when a catch. I saw it on replay. Yeah, I didn't mind. Why? I didn't think it moved until he was like out of bounds. And I know this whole surviving the ground thing, but that's the surviving the ground thing is kind of dumb. The, I wish they would change that rule. The NFL is a roughing the passer and a catch problem right now. And <laughs> no, it's, yeah, there's. A, I think the roughing the passer is a bigger issue than there were a few really? of them this weekend yeah. that were pretty bad. In what world, of, at any level that you ever played football, is that not a touchdown catch? <laughs> Here's the thing: I would say I, I don't mind them not calling it incomplete what i disagreed with was overturning the call on the field i don't think there was enough to overturn it so if a guy let's say a guy catches the ball in the back corner of an end zone he catches it a defender's running at him but he catches it and he's kind of falling you're telling me if he falls on the ground after having both feet down in the end zone with clear possession of the football it was moving. Ball was that moving. That defender can then swipe the ball on the ground and because he doesn't hold on to it the entire time it's not a catch it's just when they decide what is surviving the ground versus when the play's dead because it's a tutty, is it's it's maddening. It, I just I, I mean they have no clue what they're doing. They're taking I, shots in the dark. I don't like it. That's a catch. That's a touchdown, and they're lucky because they overruled a couple things on Cincinnati. They did, and, and Buffalo got blown out in that yeah. game, and they had the two biggest calls go their way. Yes, they did. They had a touchdown overturn that was a very questionable call. And that Josh Allen, that was a fumble. That's a fumble. That was a fumble. His hand had nothing <laughs> in it. That was absolutely a fumble. And they overturned that call. And to your point on the broadcast with Nance and Romo, they went to, like, there was no acknowledgement. They went to commercial. They're like, we'll find out when we get back. And then you get back, and it's just Josh Allen on the field. They yeah. didn't show a replay. You're like, okay, I guess they overturned the call. Right. Uh, we're just moving on. The hell's happening? I, I just, I'm tired of that. That, that Jamar Chase catches a catch. And this whole like surviving the ground thing that we're we're nitpicking and we're changing kind of the way that we yep. evaluate that stuff. And when a guy catches the ball in the end zone, it's instantly dead if he has clear <laughs> possession with two feet down. That's what Jamar Chase had, but because he falls and and the ball moves a little bit after he hits the ground, gotta survive the ground, brother. It's just it's stupid to me. I think it's dumb, and the NFL needs to get this corrected. And I, Demar Hamlin's a good story that he's alive, that he's making his way back. Incredible! Like, stop showing it after the first one. We, cu I couldn't see anything. You couldn't tell where he you couldn't was. Tell you. You could, it was snowing too hard. You couldn't see. They showed him in a golf cart getting to the game, and I'm like, oh, he's is he the guy in the middle? And that's all we saw. <laughs> he's like, here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. That broadcast left a lot to be. Romo desired. called Josh Allen Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's he's you know, it's Tony Romo. Greg Olson's out. Greg Olson's out here just dunking on him, like, oh, he was he the is, best. Dude. I'm the best. You guys with me? Burkhart and Greg Olson are great. I love. That. I was that never was against call. you. I was I, never against you. They are that. awesome. Yeah. They are. They are absolutely awesome. And it's a damn shame they're not the number one that we're waiting for. Tom Brady, who we don't even know if is good. Don't at even that know if he's any good. They gave him five hundred million dollars. The hell are we doing? They're calling the Super Bowl this year, though. Yeah, Burkhart and Olson. Burkhart and Olson yeah. is your Super Bowl. What's your okay? Let's do this on Monday. And see if we change our thing by Friday. Okay. What is your favorite potential Super Bowl matchup? Go. 
God, that's hard. I'm taking my fandom out of it. I'm being honest. I know. I got to take my fandom Bengals. out of it. It's Eagles Bengals. I got to go 49ers because I think the story of a seventh round rookie quarterback oh, playing a in the Super story. Bowl is yeah. there's never been a rookie quarterback that's played in a Super Bowl yep. that's won us. Like that storyline lingering over the 49ers yeah. with everything they gave up to get Trey Lance. It's a great storyline. I don't refute that. And I obviously be very happy about it. See, that. AFC, I. Pick your poison, man. But I want a healthy. I don't even know if Burrow will be healthy. But if Burrow survives and they win, yeah, I I want. If you give me healthy Burrow, <laughs> Niners and Bengals, the nostalgia of the '80s would be great. Some payback opportunity for the old Cincinnati. Also, Bengals. the lingering threat of potentially losing back-to-back Super Bowls. That's there. That's man. hard. Well, like that's and and two coaches that are afterthoughts in Zach Taylor and Nick yeah. Sirianni. We made fun yeah. of Sirianni on our yeah. show. Zach Taylor that had we some did. bad moments, but I thought he just coached the best game of his life. <laughs> we did. Whereas like Mahomes and Reed, they're they're still there. They're still doing this every damn year. Every year, and there seems to be no sign that that's going to suddenly stop. <laughs> they're going to be the favorites going into next season too. Oh, man. We got a poll question. What Super Bowl will we get? We'll get to that to close out the show. I want to dive back into a major local storyline over the weekend, and uh, we'll answer the poll questions here in the last half hour. How about this being tough love? The Dallas Cowboys tweeted. Did you see this last night? Uh, I did not see this. Their team account tweeted out a recap of the game. (laughs) Oh, no. Here's what the tweet reads. Quote, Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in a narrow loss to the 49ers in a matchup the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't, again, generate self-inflicted wounds. The team account tweeted that. Somebody's going to get fired. Somebody's got to get fired. Like, right? yes, you, somebody was The pissed. honesty is hilarious. <laughs> but you can't. I mean, you're a team account, man. You know, we didn't get to this because it <laughs> came out on Friday. Can you imagine the Blazers tweeting last night. <laughs> Blazers blow a historic lead against the Lakers because their center is Charm and Soft and only played 16 minutes tonight. And they, some for some reason, gave him a $100 million contract or $80 million, whatever they gave him. Uh, cha-cha-cha, Yusuf. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, that's great. We didn't even get to it Friday. Now that it's not happening, the NFL wants neutral site games for their conference championship. Yeah, I don't. don't no, no, it's a real I know, thing. I know it's a real the thing. The report came out. Like I'm not they daunting were... you. I'm daunting the NFL. No, yeah. Owners need to put their foot down there. Enough. No, neutral I site thing is the worst thing that ever happened in any sports. owner who gets to the point where they get to host a conference championship game. I know they're all greedy bastards at, the, at some point. It's a way to make more money. But... See, is it, though? Yeah, you get your fans to travel. You get airline partners that are happy. You get these hotel accommodations. You sell these packages. You sell. They sold 50,000 tickets to that neutral site game in 29 hours. Yeah, but how many well, does Chief Stadium hold? Uh, 50K. Yeah, oh, yeah, Chiefs is like 75. 75 so you're 20,000 yeah. tickets short of what you no, could have sold if it's I, a home game. That will... But the prices are. So, I think you know, the they, PR outburst and and backlash from home fans would be more than it. It would make owners really mm. squirrely. I mean, it takes away the whole importance of the regular season. Yeah, mm. like that's you can't do that. There has to be some incentive in the regular season yeah, for teams to play for at the end if you of the get year. A buy then, right? I mean, you're sure you'd want to get healthy, but if you're a lower seed and you know you get to the AFC yeah, or the NFC seed, title game, doesn't mean squat. You're going yeah. to a neutral site. In a dome where you don't have to go in and play in Kansas City, like that's a totally different game. Whether it's in Kansas City this weekend or in some neutral site in it. Well, let me ask you this though: So, should the NFL be doing? They've been doing this their entire time. They're not going to change. But I mean, why why do we do non-neutral site for conference championships and then the championship we don't reward the best team 
out of the two. Because I think it's harder in the Super Bowl with scheduling and the way, like sometimes conferences are just better than one another. And I think that's that's difficult to look at record and say this team deserves home field advantage at a Super Bowl. Hmm. Because the schedules are so unbalanced. Well, I mean, you could do that. Yeah, but you could do that even in your own conference. You know, Jacksonville is not playing in the same division. Tampa, they're not playing in the same divisions as the Cowboys or the Niners or the Eagles. Like, they have easier schedules. They're playing worse teams. I have seen more and more uh, discussion of getting rid of uh, or doing the seeds based stri- strictly on record, not, the, for that. not the division winners. Yeah, you eliminate guaranteed. the division automatic so qualifier. You, yeah. So Jacksonville and Tampa. You get a playoff, playoff spot. Game, if you yeah. win your division, you get a playoff spot, but your seed will be based on your record, not sure. just winning the division. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing, too, is like in the NBA and in baseball, you have home field advantage in the championship, but the difference is at least it's a series. So it balances out. Yeah. So a you're going to get home yeah. games. For a single game, I think that's just tougher to pull off. Mm. Of where where you play? What if both teams have the same record? What's your tiebreaker? Like you, you know you what go, I mean? Like you you're go just Ravens Bengals. You just flip <laughs> <Yeah>. a coin. <laughs> they were gonna flip a coin for that. Yeah, I I don't mind the Super Bowl has. I mean, I've never obviously been to a Super Bowl. It sounds like it has a very corporate flair. Like I don't the Super Bowl, whatever. Like that's the way it's yeah. always been. It's always yeah. been a neutral site game. To go to that for AFC and NFC title games would be a, a huge mistake for the league. It'd be it'd have been a bummer. It really would have been a bummer this weekend. We're if trying we were talking about Kansas City, Buffalo, and Atlanta. Oh God, dude, it would have sucked. I mean, the game would have been fun and awesome because it's Kansas City yeah. and Buffalo, but, but it would have been sterile. It would have been sterile. Like we're trying to get away from this in college football. Like if I could change one thing about college football, I would get rid of every neutral site game that exists. Well, we're not trying to get rid of it. They're doing it more. Well, not in the first round of the playoffs. They're not. The oh, first round well. of the playoffs is going to be home field advantage, which is all good. They they are doing it more. I'm but the saying, best teams won't even get to experience that because they have buys, which is dumb. <laughs> There's been rumors that they're trying to push for it in the next round too. Because yeah. if you get a buy, like I want a home playoff game, give me that. Like I played all year for it. And I think to to college football's point in expanding the playoff, everybody wonders and worries what. What is it going to do to the regular season, right? Is anything going to matter? An SEC team could lose three games and still get in. There have to be incentives. And if you play on neutral sites, the point is valid. Like, nothing really matters. If you get in right. and I win one playoff game, now I'm going to a neutral site where my fans can go, as opposed to, you know, Alabama losing a couple of games and having to go to Michigan in uh, December or January. Completely different animal. But that would that would suck for the NBA, if they, or excuse me, the NFL, if they did that. I don't think they will. I mean, maybe I'll be wrong on this, and they'll just corporatize I everything. I think there are but... too many owners in there that would protect that, and especially thinking about it from their team and their fans and all that sort of stuff, how much of a PR nightmare it would be. I can't. I don't see the Hunts ever voting for that in Kansas City. No. I, well, I mean, look at the markets, too. I don't see Packers ever voting for that yeah, if take they away get to host it. at Lambeau <laughs> Buffalo, <laughs> Cincinnati, Kansas City. These markets are no. not big markets. New and... York, if the Giants, you know, yeah. figure it out, screw the Jets. But sure. if the Giants ever get to host again, they're not seeding that so you can go to – where do you and and how do you designate a true neutral site? Right, it'll always be closer and benefit one team or the other. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, I, that that just gets my blood boiling. Even thinking about it, Can you imagine that. I hope NFL teams push back against it. I, I, I also too like we're reaching an era where we need to desperately stand up for fans. And I know for the opposing fan base, that's maybe a benefit because you get a fifty thousand ticket allotment or whatever the case may be. 
I we the the amount of money that we make people spend to be sports fans now is insane. Yeah. And a lot of people can't even afford to go to games anymore. It's so expensive. Now on top of that, and you're owners taking are the, still getting full price for their preseason games. Of course even they are. It's a glorified practice. <laughs> now on top of that, we're saying, hey, you're supposed to have the number one. You know, you have the number one seed. You should host an AFC or NFC title game. No. Nope. Yeah. By the way, instead of just having your normal season ticket package a lot this, now you have to spend eight hundred dollars in airfare to fly to Dallas or and, Atlanta or New know, Orleans. Oh, and, and then the Hotels are going to gouge you for, <laughs> you know, a, break, a $200 room is now 500 bucks a night, oh, yeah. and it's a guarantee. Yeah. It's a minimum three-night stay or some crap. you got to stick up for the face. Stick up for the yeah. little guy, yeah. right? Screw these damn owners in the NFL. They do that. I'm out. Well, I'm not out because I love the NFL, but we shouldn't let it happen. Uh, let's get to some local news, answer the poll questions, and uh, we'll set you up for your night in sports. Wrap it up next on The Family. Well, we'll have some, obviously, more on the AFC and NFC championship games. The Eagles are going up. They opened as a one, one-and-a-half-point favorite. It's up to two-and-a-half, three, depending on the books you're looking at. Ooh. Cincinnati, Kansas City has not moved much. That line is – that one's weird for me. With the way the Bengals are playing on the high ankle sprain to Mahomes, I get Kansas City's tough place to go in and win. Cincinnati did it last year in the AFC title game. They just went into Buffalo and dominated the Bills. That line is interesting to me. Like, explain to me the gambling angle on Kansas City. He's the most talented quarterback we've ever seen, and he's got to get wrong. the ball out in less than one and a half seconds You're on every wrong. play. And Kelsey's a monster, and nobody can guard him. And You're not wrong. He can't move, though. He can't it, move. It doesn't. But if he, th- <laughs> we said this about Burrow going into Buffalo, and my big thing was, I know they were down offensive linemen. I thought Burrow was going to get the ball out quick, and what did he do with that first drive? He got it out quick. Precision right <laughs> down the field. Kansas City has that too. They've got multiple running backs. They've got. Uh, the best tight end in football. I, I I don't know, man. Like I I I want to back Cincy. I'm probably gonna ride Cincy. I have a Cincy's AFC champions ticket, but I can kind of understand the other side of this. You're talking about Mahomes at home as a dog. Okay, well, he's a slight fit, one point favorite. Well, I'm just saying, like yeah. he was a dog at one point when that line opened. It started with them. It quickly got bet to Cincinnati. Went to a pick'em, and now he's a one point favorite. I wouldn't be shocked if Mahomes didn't practice all week. And this line moved back to Cincinnati as a one-point favorite. But that's to play the other side. There's the other side. It's Andy Reid. It's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we did have a, a, a big local news this weekend as Bill Shonley passed away at the young age of 93, the mayor of Rip City. That was that was tough. It was kind of fun, I think, you know, when something like that happens. Not fun that he passed away, but fun for the reminiscing aspect of it, yeah. you know, and kind of scrolling through Twitter when that news came around and seeing people post different stories. Like I saw a thing from Kerry Agers that back in the 60s he was doing like a local wrestling event. Yeah. And somebody sent Kerry like a news clipping of it and him getting, you know, pinned at a local wrestling event or whatever like there's so many little anecdotes that you don't quite know or appreciate from him and i you know we said this earlier in the show he was a little bit before my time i mean i listened to him when i was a kid and i was going to games and we had season tickets when i was when i was really young at the vmc and then first at the rose garden we'd always leave early you know it'd be traffic kind of school night you got to get home and we'd listen to sean's call the game on the way home but i didn't have the full appreciation for him because he didn't quite narrate my entire life of Blazer basketball the way that he did some other fans, but his impact and his legacy is undoubtable. And we said it earlier in the show, we'll say it again. I I don't know why that dude doesn't have a statue. He deserves one in the arena, out of the arena. I don't care where you want to put it. Put it on press row. Put a statue right there. I I don't care where it goes. But he is he is the Portland Trailblazers. And that was that was a tough one for a lot of Blazer fans this weekend. He had his retirement ceremony when he was ninety two, which was just a year ago. And I, I think one of the things about that that I think you can appreciate now and that he is uh, a past 
watching that speech again, again, I highly advise, I think the Blazers tweeted it out. Go look at their post-game. They put out a video as soon as the game ended and just like a two, three-minute thing on on his life and his legacy and everything he meant. It, it's fantastic. It's well done. But there's a blurb in there where you watch him give his speech, and he says, I'm used to doing this for a lot of people. And to be able to now be one of those people. To have it happen for me. He, like, choked up. He had yeah. to look down. Like, that's... Madden did this. It, it, it's it's special. It's unique. When somebody of that caliber and that popularity and, and is that beloved gets to see and understand how much they've meant to people and to sports and to the franchises, yeah. like, you don't get that often, man. Like, a lot of people don't get that until they're dead. And then you hope that, you know, there's something on the other side of this thing where we can sense it or feel it or whatever. But like in the off chance there's not, that sucks. And to watch Sean Lee have the retirement ceremony where he's getting all this love from not only the crowd, but the current players, the current broadcasters, and gets to give a speech about being honored. That that probably was as big a deal for that man is calling anything or doing any part of the broadcasting sure. part of his career was having that moment where you get to reflect on what your life has been and how how much of a privilege and also just awesome that is to have. Nobody, Not everybody gets that. Nope. And I thought that was what was special about the Madden doc that Rinaldi helped produce was the impact that he made on the sport and in broadcasting. He got to see that, and he died like three months after it was released or, or six weeks after it was released. Not many get to watch that or, or live that moment. And I'm I, as somebody who I didn't also grow up with Bill Shonley the way that Swag did and so many others that are older than us got to, but you always knew who he was, and you we heard him when we were younger. Like, for somebody like him to get that experience, I'm happy for him. And he lived a long, great life, man. That that was sad, but also you just reflect on such a, a, a great life, a great person, and such a huge instrumental part of the franchise starting. I mean, it, it went from, I'm calling, I forget what he got paid. I think it was Seattle University's baseball team mm-hmm. was his job. And they folded after one year, and he's like left kind of just floating in no, the wind. No, it was the Seattle Pilots. It was the Major League team that became oh, that's the right. Brewers. Th- that's right. It was Seattle Pilots. They folded after a year, and he's like, oh, crap. Like, what am I going to do? And here comes the Blazers and Harry Glickman, and there it is. They they give him the job, and it becomes synonymous with Rip City. Rip City is born, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that is Rip City. And, and by the way, I know Rip City. I know Bingo, Bango, Bongo. It's the free throw line for me. If we're doing sports <laughs> lines for me, it's you, you gotta, gotta make, make your, your free, free throws. throws because I say that all the time when I'm watching this damn team blow games. Well, and when I they think miss people forget uh, in the '80s, uh, one of the NBA league-wide campaigns was the NBA. It's fantastic, and Sean Lee was the voice they used for the tag. That's bad. That's right. The NBA. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's a good poll. I forgot about that. That's pretty damn cool, man. I, I I hope he's honored in some way. I'm with you. I'm glad that he had that night last year, and I'll, I'll never forget watching that. And, you know, we've been blessed to be able to – one of the cool parts about this job for us is that we grew up a fan of these teams and to cover them and to be at events and walk around and get to know people. And you kind of pinch yourself from time to time. There's a lot of people you'll rub elbows with in the bowels of the Moda Center. 
and you bump into and all that kind of the, nobody I, was I ever more starstruck around when I saw him than Bill Shonley. And you said it earlier in the show, and I was the same. I never had the balls to go up and introduce myself and talk to him because it's Bill Shonley. You don't know who the hell I am. You don't well, he's not going to remember either. He's like, right. who cares about this guy? Like, you know, I just you just see him. You be like, hey, every time you see him, you be like, ah, there's John. There's the yeah. Shons. There he is. He's yeah. walking around. It was like, you're always kind of in awe whenever he was around. And he is I, he is the mayor of Rip City. He will always be the mayor of Rip City. I had one awkward, which leave it to me to have an awkward encounter with somebody, but I. It, I don't even know if you really heard it, but I remember being at the tunnel. I, I might have been talking to, to Mers or somebody else, and he walked by, and I remember kind of glancing over, and he looked over for a second. This was like years, years ago, and I, I think I said something effective like, the Shans. And he kind of just looked at me, and he kept walking, and I'm like, I don't know if he heard that. That was kind of stupid. Did he give you a little fist yeah. pump? Hey! No, I didn't say it very loudly, uh, but I was like, oh, Shans, Shans, it's But Shons. he's like walking past. Here comes the Shans, man. I did that to Marv Albert, too. Marv! Marv Albert was like two, three yes, years before he retired. Yes! He, he was in the tunnel on the phone, and I just like walked by, and I just like looked at him, and we made eye contact, and I didn't say anything. He walked by and said, you bite that booty? You bite that booty, Marv? Wow. Too soon? I, I did not. Too soon on that? Yeah. I mean, he's into what he's into. Let, let, let I'm it, not kink-shaming. Let, let him fly his kink flag, okay? Isn't he also wearing women's... No. He likes biting butts, man. Never mind. Well, the Blazers are playing again tonight, and uh, we asked a poll question last night. How you feeling? Apathetic is the number one answer, 33%. That's great for a fan base. As it should be, to be honest with you. Yeah, 30% said fire Chauncey. 28% said make a big trade ASAP. 7% of you say it's, you feel fine. I want to know what drugs you're taking. Uh, what Super Bowl do we get? Number one answer, 49ers and Bengals, 35%. Followed by Eagles and Bengals, 32%. So a lot of money coming Boy. in from our listeners on the Bengals and kind of split on San Francisco and Philly. No respect for Chiefs and Eagles. Might have to be a Chiefs better this weekend now. Chiefs-Eagles is the lowest vote total, 14%. Wow. 14%. There you go. Good little show if you miss any of it. We argued at 601, and it was a fun show talking NFL playoffs and the Blazers and their disastrous loss last night to the Lakers. They take on the Spurs tonight. We'll see if they can get back in the win column. That will do it for us. If you missed the show, go check the podcast, 1080thefan.com. After it's breaking at 1080thefan. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 6 a.m. Colin is next. You're listening to 1080thefan.